Welcome. Welcome to the porch on Firefall Talk Radio. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by studying the Word of God and focusing on the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. We follow their example. We take a deeper look into their service so that we can, to the best of our ability, replicate what they did. Our desire here on the porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining that world-shaking, Holy Spirit-filled, demon-chasing, people-healing influence that the Book of Acts Church had. We find the church the Lord intended, not the one man created, because the church age is not over. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. So if you know that and you believe that and you want more in your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus of Nazareth, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, you're welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button or write us directly at the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we sincerely hope that you will, and thank you to everyone that does, on the main page for firefalltalkradio.com, there are ways to do so. If you need more information, just reach out to us. Be glad to give it. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms from wherever you are listening right now. I'm sitting in the nice, warm, and toasty Firefall studio. Fire's burning. I have my hot chocolate with my marshmallows. No, I'm kidding. I don't have a fire and, and marshmallows. But for me, if it gets down below 60 degrees, it's winter. I'm cold, and I don't like it. But praise God, I'm here with you, and we're going to talk about the love of God. And um, if you want to, subscribe, listen. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, X, Twitter, formerly Twitter, X. We're there. And um, let us know. If you have a need, you want to pray, if you're listening, just let us know. We appreciate all of the edification that you send us. Asking for prayer, as I mentioned last week, it just seems like every time I turn around, there's another impending expense. We're just in that season, especially at the end of the year, because all of the stuff we pay for to stream suddenly comes to. And I know a lot of you are in that boat, so just pray for us. We'll all touch and agree for the blessings needed to cover everything and be able to do what the Lord's called us to do. We start out with praise reports and prayer requests. First of all, I want to praise him for his love, his grace, his mercy, and for my salvation. And because of that, I have a home. I have a wife that he gave back to me that I, in my demon-possessed state, tried to throw away, but he didn't let that happen. She didn't let that happen through prayer and intercession. I have a family. I have my sons, daughter-in-laws, a grandchild. I have furry kids. I have all these wonderful things because of him and his love. So I praise him for that. I praise him for his protection. That's Psalm 91 covering. We're good in a fallen world, and we need it right now. I praise him for the ministry, his ministry, that he allows me to work for him and with him. I praise him for each and every one of you. Many of you have gotten to know personally. 
Some of you I've not heard from in a while, so send me an email. Let me know how you're doing. And I am greatly appreciative of you and to be able to share his word with you. I praise him for the dreams and the visions and all that he's showing me right now to prepare us for what's coming, and I do my best to tell you what he shows me when he tells me to show you. One thing about the Lord, can't just blurt out everything you see and hear. He'll let you know what he wants you to say and when he wants you to say it. I praise him for his healing virtues. They're real. They still happen. I just praise him for being able to praise him. I can make a joyful noise. I can blow my shofar. I don't know what my neighbors think, passerby think, but I don't care. I can do that because I love him. I praise him for being a renewed person in my spirit man. You know what? I'm praising him for the signs of the times, and I believe that he's giving us that he's getting ready to return because he is. Creation is groaning for the return of the king, and so are we. So let's praise him for the coming kingdom and the new Jerusalem and all that goes with it. But we need to pray first. We're going to pray for Israel. We're going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122, verses 6 through 8. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, Peace, shalom, be within you. So I pray he'd protect Israel. I pray he'd protect our Jewish brothers and sisters. I pray that he would protect America, even though we don't deserve it. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the martyrs, the persecuted, those that are victims of injustice. I pray for... The people being trafficked, especially the children, I pray that he would rescue them. Intercede for them, folks. If you remember every day, pray for them. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing in me and my family, my wife, and each and every one of you. Let's get back to our divine design right now in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Whatever our bodies are right now, with it, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, but we're not living the way he made us. Our cells are not doing what they're supposed to do. Some of that's our fault. Some of that's the world's fault. Some of that's our ancestry's fault. But enough is enough. We need to be healed. We need to be whole. We need to be healthy to take this gospel out there and set the captives free. So I pray right now, if you're sick, if you're injured, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, in the name of Yeshua, be healed, be made whole. Pray for protection. That's Psalm 91 covering I mentioned. Walk in it. Stay in it. Don't put your arm outside the hedge. Don't step outside the wall. Do what the Word says. Do I pray for inspiration. Holy Spirit, Ruach HaKadosh, fire inspirations in our heart, our soul, in every part of us. I pray for the remnant. That's us. But you know what? I pray that we need to wake up. We need to rise up in unity, in unison, in prayer, and we need to answer the call to action. And that doesn't necessarily mean confronting principalities and doing all the dramatic stuff. You want to plunder the strong man's goods? First, you must bind the strong man, and that's kind of what SRT and I do when we go around. But the fact is, if you want to destroy the kingdom of darkness, plunder his goods. Get people saved, healed, and delivered. I pray that... 
those that have been blessed by the Lord would be a blessing so that we can be a blessing and we can become conduits of that blessings. Let's rise up in prayer. Let's rise up in unity. I pray for protection over me, my all that's mine, SRT, everything about Firefall, all that we want to do. We are in a very dangerous, supernaturally active time. The enemy knows. He's trying to hinder. He's trying to delay. But let's join together in prayer and break through. Push back. Stand up. It's time for us to become more aggressive and proactive in confidence and purpose and power. I pray for edification, the building up of our spirit, encouragement. I pray that we would further the kingdom of God to glorify him and him alone. So, Father, Abba, you are awesome, absolutely awesome beyond anything our finite mind can understand. But we do our best. We love you. We thank you. We worship you. We adore you. Thank you for seeking us out, for making a way to be reconciled to you. And that way was Yeshua, your only begotten son. You sent him to die in our place, to shed his blood, to wash away our sins. Thank you, Lord. Your love is amazing. Your grace is amazing. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for us. Thank you for sending back the Holy Spirit to walk with us and teach us and to remind us of what you said and what you did and how you did it and to keep us on track. Thank you. Thank you for this time, the technology. Bless it. Protect it. Let this word go forth and do in purpose what you desire it to do in purpose. I pray all these things. Agree with me. Say Amen, in Yeshua's name. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Okay, Bibles open. Let's get into the words. You know, we started out a couple of weeks ago, who do you say that he is? Last week, do you know him? Well, now is if you know him as Lord and Savior and you know him personally, the last question I can ask you is, do you love him? And that's what we're going to talk about, his love for us and our love for him. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, starting verse 1. And you, yes, you, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you were, who hallelujah, praise you, Lord. I've been. Let me let me just preface. This is going to be a little, could be scattered at times. I've been 
working on this since yesterday, and his love has overwhelmed me at times. His presence has overwhelmed me. Even just when I was talking a second ago, he's saying things in my head, and I'm trying to listen to him and speak to you. But his love has really, these scriptures, I'm seeing, diff, I mean, in-depth things I've never seen before, and I've been doing this for three over three decades And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we also conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, Abba, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love which with he with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Messiah. By grace you have been saved. But God, Hashem, being so very rich in mercy because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us, you and me, spiritually alive together with Messiah, for by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved from God's judgment. Isn't that amazing? Vine's expository Bible note says that phrase, but God, indicates the source of our salvation. By grace you have been saved, Paul excitedly proclaims. Grace means that God does the saving. We're not saving ourselves. Salvation is God's gift to us. Therefore, a person can do nothing to earn it. Gifts are given on the base of love, not obligation. And I'm going to state this. In ministry, everything I do, from the preaching of the word, the teaching of the word, from laying our hands on the sick, from the casting out of demons, from every aspect of my ministry is based upon him doing it with me, through me. It has nothing to do with me as an individual. It's all about him. Romans 5, verses 8 through 11, but God showed us his great love for us by sending Messiah to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight, by the blood of Messiah, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, has made us friends with God. Actually, we're more than friends. We're family. We're connected. But never forget something. For the wages of sin is death. Sin, what we earn for sin is death. 
But the bountiful free gift of God is eternal life in union with Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord, Romans 6, 23. See, not only do gifts, the gifts reveal God's love, but they also reveal his mercy. When we receive a gift from God, we're receiving what we don't deserve. Mercy is broader than all humanity and deeper than all sin. Our God is rich in mercy. Gifts imply mercy. Gifts imply grace. And with grace comes forgiveness and new life. The beauty of God's grace is fully captured in Paul's transitional phrase, but God. That's how the Vine's expository notes explains it. His love led to mercy. His compassion for the helpless inspired action for their relief. Love brings action. His to us, us to him. There's an inexhaustible treasury of such mercy in the loving heart of God. You can't run out of it. You can abuse it. Don't do that. But you can never run out of it. He wanted to and wants to, present tense, he wants to know you as Abba. And you as his child. That's how you enter the throne room. That's how you enter his presence. First of all, you enter his courts with praise. But you enter it as his child, not as his servant, not as a soldier, not as any of these other things that some of these, I call them false teachers because what they're teaching is false. These teachers tell you, I'm his son. And that's how he accepts me into his presence. But you cannot know him without being born again. You cannot know him without being born from above. And if you are born again, born from above, you love him. And your life shows it. First John 5.18, we know absolutely, this is the amplified version, we know absolutely that anyone born of God does not deliberately and knowingly practice committing sin. That's presumptuous sin. But the one, capital O, who was begotten of God carefully watches over and protects him. Messiah's divine presence within him, how? Through the Holy Spirit, preserves him against evil. And the wicked one does not lay hold, get a grip on him, or touch him. As long as you are walking in right relationship, in righteousness with God, as long as you're walking in the Spirit through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you're protected. What changes is when you violate one of those two conditions. Love inspires your behavior. His love for you and yours for him. We can't get away from love. You know the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love, but they're not talking about divine love. They're not talking about his love. They're talking about fleshly love, human love. No, all I need is his love. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. That was Moses. When we know 
This is the book from Genesis to Revelation by Jews, for Jews, about Jews, with Jewish thinking. Of course, we're grafted into that vine, so it's for us too. But we hear Old Testament scriptures quoted in the New Testament all the time, and we hear it. In, we hear that one in Mark twelve, verses twenty-eight to thirty-four. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reason together, reasoning together, perceiving that he, capital H, Yeshua, had answered them well, asked him, "Which is the first commandment of all?" And Yeshua answered him. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. Well said, Rabbi. You've spoken the truth, for there is one God. And there is no other but he, and to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as, you, as oneself is more than all of the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Yeshua saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that no one dared question him. He wasn't far from the kingdom of God, but he he needed one more thing to get him in, to accept Yeshua as his Pamashiach, as his Messiah, as the Messiah. That's the key. Love the love God. Love your Abba with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, your your strength, with everything that is within you. And because of that, you'll be able to love your neighbor as yourself. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says this, As love is the highest expression of God and his relation to mankind, so it must be the highest expression of man's relation to his maker and to his fellow man. While the Hebrew word for the Hebrew and Greek words for love have various shades, and intensities of meanings, they may be summed up in such definition as this. Love, whether used of God or man, is an earnest and anxious desire for and an active beneficial interest in the well-being of the one loved. See, love for him inspires obedience. I don't do what I do out of fear of repercussions or judgment or fire and brimstone. I do it out of love. He wants it done out of love. And when you do that, your life becomes a testimony of that to others. I think the reason we see so little of it, first of all, it's not being taught. It's not being emphasized. But when you see it, you want to do it. When you see somebody that's in love with the Lord, you want to be like them. His love. Who shall separate us from the love of Messiah? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. 
Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Some of you need to not just read this and hear it and write it down. You need to accept it. You need to take it into your heart. You need to say, I am persuaded beyond any doubt. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Messiah, Jesus, the Lord, Messiah, Yeshua, Adonai. Now, you can trip up. You can do what was mentioned before about deliberately sinning. You can do all those things. You can even allow the enemy to have access to you through those things. But what they won't do is cost you his love. No matter what the enemy whispers in your ear, no matter what you've heard, you can't lose his love because God is love. And his nature does not change because of your actions. His love allows you to endure and overcome. And your love for him propels you forward to take that love to others. Why do we see so little love in the world? Because either they don't have it, they don't know it, or they're hoarding it. They're not taking it out there. 1 John chapter 4, verses 8, 16, and 19. I piece these together. It's the same thought in the same section. Remember, content, context. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And we have known and believed the love of, that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. We love him because he first loved us. That was so hard for me to understand. I was unlovable in my mind. As I've said, and I mean this, if I had been God, I would have zapped me a long time ago. I'd have punished me for the things I did, walking out of my family, breaking his spiritual laws, seeking power in the supernatural. I mean, no, that had been it. I'd have pressed the button. That had been the end of Richard. No, what did he do? He set in motion a chain of events to draw me to him. That's love. We are to be so deeply rooted in the love of Messiah and the love of Yeshua that we can stand up to any emotional earthquake, any storm, any form of discouragement that no matter what is going on, no matter how bad it is, no matter the, the, the price or the world can be crashing around you, you are sure of one thing. God loves me. Yeshua loves me. 
and we can abide, that word abide, remember permanent residence, to remain, to lodge, to dwell in a continuous organic union with God, a living, dynamic blending of him and us. If you can grasp that, the enemy not only will never win, he won't discourage you. Oh, he may knock you down. You may trip yourself up, but you'll get up. You'll dust yourself off. If you need to say, I'm sorry, you say you're sorry, and you press on. John chapter 15, verses 7 through 10. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. For as the Father loved me, the Lord says, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Now here we go. Here's the kicker, verse 10 of John 15. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Obedience is an act of love. Believers, as believers, us, you and me, we're designed in our new nature to live and abide in unison with the Lord and have fruitful lives. Galatians 5, 22 through 25. You like that? That sounded very educational. I sound like a professor. Yes, now turn to Galatians 5, starting verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Messiahs have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Hey, crucifying the flesh makes it sound just like it is. It's not easy. It can be brutal. It can be painful, but it can be done. All the fruit of the Spirit grow from where? Grow out from love. His love causes you to have joy. His love causes you to have peace. His love causes you to be patient and long-suffering. His love causes you to be kind, to be good, and to be faithful. His love causes you to be gentle and have self-control. You don't need the law to do that. You need to be like him and live and walk in the Spirit. Love does that. Isn't that amazing? See, the law had to subject you, and it was just a, a, a training tool to get us to where we didn't need it anymore. I don't need those training wheels anymore. I do it out of love. I love the Lord. <laughs> I was going to try not to cry, but that's very difficult for me. I love what he did for me. I love my Abba Father with all my heart, and he knows that. I have intimacy with the creator of the universe. I have intimacy with almighty God. The great I am 
and I have access to his throne room, not because I deserve it, but because he invites me in. You, uh, we're not going to do this right now, but there are some teachings out there. You don't just show up. Hey, let's have a class here. Pay me forty nine ninety five. I'll teach you how to access the throne room. That's not a joke. And don't pay money to these charlatans. Anything that happens in the spirit realm happens because he allows it. The spirit wills it. And he allows me to meet with him because of love. Like walking in the cool of the evening, he wants to be with me. And I long for the time that we have no barriers and I don't have this fleshly shell. Above all things, First Peter 4, 8 amplified, above all things have intense and unfailing love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. It forgives and disregards the offenses of others. I saw this quote by author Roger Thompson. He writes on leadership from a godly Christian perspective. He says, love, like running, must be aerobic. Our output must match, be matched by our intake. Running requires oxygen, and enduring love requires God's word, his consolation, his presence. As we love aerobically, we build up our capacity to do more and more. And pretty soon, we won't be huffing and puffing for half a mile We'll be running marathons, marathons of love. You'll be able to finish the race in love. You'll be able to endure what people do to you, understanding, yeah, it hurts and I don't like it, but there's a reason why they act the way they act. And I have to love them. Not easy. That's, you know, that's not how I was raised. That's not, that was not my human nature, and I'm still human, don't get me. That was not my uh, uh, nature as I was trained. But once I was able to do that, I was able to forgive. I was able to see people with his eyes. John seventeen twenty four. the Lord said in speaking to the Father, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am and that they may behold my glory, which you have given me for You love me before the foundation of the world. He wants his disciples and us to be with him in glory. And I will tell you that no matter what happens, if you learn this and understand it, you'll never forget it. Uh, Writer Phyllis Herzog said this, On a visit to the nursing home, our pastor noticed a man slumped in a wheelchair in the hallway. The man's hands hung limply. His head was bowed. Pastor Tanner heard him repeating amidst a string of profanities, I can't remember. I can't remember. So kneeling down beside the wheelchair, Pastor Tanner looked in the man's face and asked, Don't you remember? Jesus loves you. There was a momentary pause before the man lifted his head, raised his arms, and said, I remember. 
I remember. She says that was all the sermon we needed when Pastor retold the story. No matter what happens, you go through a divorce, you go through the loss of a child, you go through some horrific event, you remember his love. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, let me stop here and pray for a second. Lord, on behalf of your children right now, anybody listening that doesn't know this kind of love from you, I pray that you'd break down the walls. I pray pray that you'd take those protective walls that they've built around their hearts and fill it with your love and fill it with love for you. Let them walk in it. Let them breathe it. Let them think it. Let them sleep it. Let them know how much you love them so that they can be free to love you. I bind the enemy in every way, shape, and form, and any hindering spirits and anything that would hinder them from having this love. Set them free, Lord, in your love. In Yeshua's name, amen. Ephesians 3, starting verse 14, Paul says this. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, which is us, what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Messiah, which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If you know his love, then you'll show his love. If you do ministry, it'll be done in love. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says, The love of God is that part of his nature, indeed his whole nature, for God is love, which leads him to express himself in terms of endearment towards his creatures and according and actively to manifest that interest and affection in acts of loving care, in self-sacrifice, in behalf of the objects of his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. He sacrificed Yeshua because he loved us. That's a loving act of self-sacrifice on our behalf. Why don't we live like that? Why is this so hard to understand? This is a pearl of wisdom. This thing about love, it's not about money. It's not about prosperity. It's about love. John 15, verses 12 through 14. And this is how our relationship with each other should be. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. 
greater love has no one than this, that they lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I commandment. This is my command you. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Now, his laying down of his life was on the cross to sacrifice himself as the Lamb of God. But when you look at that phrase, to lay down your life, to lay down your cares, to lay down your selfish desires, to lay down your interest for the sake of another, maybe it's temporarily putting aside your dreams for someone else. That's love. Maybe it's taking care of somebody. That's love. You're laying down your life. You're laying down what you value, what, what you want for someone else. When we ministered to the homeless, we brought them into our home. Showing love can change people's lives. I, I think I told the story maybe last week or recently. I know I've shared it with, with somebody in conversation. I read about a guy in my book called Big Al. Big Al was a rough and tough guy. He was a little taller than me. He had a scar running across his face from a knife fight. He'd been to Vietnam. He wore the long coat of a Vietnamese soldier that he killed. He was He was known on the streets. He was a bad dude. And he was with this group of guys we were ministering to, and he told me later on he just showed up for the free food. Well, they brought him to our house, and I think it was Bible study. Yeah, it was Bible study. It was it was later in the day. It was Wednesday night, and they brought him in. They introduced me, and I said, "Tell you what, Al, you go sit in my seat." And I had a you know one of those big, thick, cushy, easy chairs, and it was. Kind of a beige. It was a light colored. And he looked at me and said, no, Pastor, I can't. I said, Al, go sit in my seat. And he started to weep. I said, why are you crying? He said, I've been kicked out of more churches because of how I look and how I smell. And you want me to sit in your chair, a chair that I'm obviously going to get dirty. I said, so what? It's just a chair. I love you, Al. God loves you. Have you ever seen somebody on the street and just felt led to say, hey, Lord wanted me to tell you he loves you? That's all it takes sometimes that they know that he knows and he cares. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus the Messiah with all his saints. I believe that when he shows us our life, and he checks things, the thing that he's going to be most impressed by is our love for one another and how we have shown his love to others. Not all the other things. See, love is God's nature. 
And if he abides in us, we love him and we love others. If you really love me, the Lord says, you will keep, you will obey my commands. What commands? To love one another as I've loved you. That's John 14, 15, the Amplified Version. John 14, verses 21, 23, and 24 are really all one thought. It gets interrupted by Judas. He says something. Probably it was just for the sake of saying something. Um, there are so many people like that in church. Forgive me, I digress. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show, I will reveal, I will manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. If anyone really loves me, he will keep my word, he will keep my teaching, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. Anyone who does not really love me does not observe and obey my teaching. And the teaching which you hear and heed is not mine, but comes from the Father who sent me. I heard the fire and brimstone sermons, and maybe they get some people saved out of fear. I didn't see it and didn't do anything for me. What changed me was love. The love of the people that prayed for me. The love of Pastor Shelley who loved me into the kingdom when he could have clearly read my mail. But he didn't. First John chapter 2, verse 5. But whoever. Now, I saw something today for the first time. Isn't this amazing? You're always learning. That's why you got to get in the Word. Not other people's Word. His word. I read you what John said. The Apostle John says in 14. Then in 1 John chapter 2, he repeats it, but he expands upon it. Whoever habitually keeps his word and obeys his precepts and treasures his message in its entirety, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. It is completed and has reached maturity. By this we know for certain that we are in him. Their message never changed, never varied. The ones that were with him and wrote the Gospels, when they wrote the letters, they continued those teachings. And they didn't teach on the fringe things. They didn't teach on the exciting things. They didn't come up with all this glamorous hoo-ha, most of which is not scriptural. But what did they stick to? They stuck to the basics. Because if you don't have the basics, none of the other stuff matters. Being in him means that he is also in us. Remember I said organic union. We're, we're like him when that happens, and he loved no matter what. Romans 12, starting verse 9, tells us how to behave like a believer in Yeshua. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, phileo, in honor, giving preference to one another. Prefer them over yourself. Take care of them. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. 
continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Sharing God's love in word and actions is the privilege and responsibility that all believers have, no matter how long we've been saved, no matter how old we are. Because when you start from verse 9, about loving without hypocrisy, abhorring what is evil, clinging to what is good, being kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, giving honor, preference to one another, considering their needs over your own, not not lagging in diligence, being fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. You know what's going to happen? You're going to want to distribute to the needs of the saints. Nobody's going to have to tell you that. You're going to want to do it. That's how a precept upon precept, line upon line, the Word builds upon itself. It confirms itself. David Wilkerson said, Love is not only something you feel, it's something you do. John chapter 13, the Lord had already said it, but he said it again in 14, verse 34 and 35, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. No wonder nobody believes the church. Not a whole lot of love going on. Love him. Love each other. Draw people to his love. So the question we started out with, do you love him? Well, he asked Peter this question. Go with me to John chapter 21. We're just going to cover one section of it. A whole lot going on in John 21. If, you, if, you're not, if you're not reading the Word, and if you have a problem with reading, some people have a, a tension issue, some are dealing with learning disabilities, then get yourself an audio Bible. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the Word of God. John chapter 21, we'll just cover 15 through 17. He has appeared to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He has reconciled with Peter, who jumps out of the boat and swims to the shore. The Lord's waiting for them. They bring fish. He's already made the fire. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Yeshua said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he could have been talking about the disciples, his friends, or he could have been talking about fishing, which they had returned to do, and they probably, you know, that's what he did. But he said, do you, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And the Lord said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Barjona, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. 
And Yeshua said to him, Feed my sheep. Do you love me more than your friends? Do you love me more than what you do? Do you really love me more than the rest of the disciples as you boasted? Remember, Peter Peter set him up for this, set himself up for this in Matthew 26. When the Lord tells him what's about to happen, starting verse 30, 33, Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Yeshua said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And, and all the disciples heard that, and, and they, said all, they said all the same thing. So said all the disciples. He had boasted of his greater love than the rest. And no one except Judas had treated him so badly. And Peter has been reconverted, reconciled with the Lord. His, his replies were a little more modest. See, he had vehemently denied the Lord three times around the fire while the Lord's inside being grilled and railroaded by the Sanhedrin. John 18, verse 15, Simon Peter followed Yeshua and so did another disciple. John always talked about himself in third person. Now that disciple... John, was known to the high priest and went in with Yeshua into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Now they're in the courtyard, and, and the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You're not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the servants and the and the temple guards, the officers, had made a fire of coals and stood there, for it was cold, probably cold within 69 degrees. It was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them, and he's warming himself. And while he's warming himself, somebody else says to him, you're not also one of his disciples, are you? And he d- denied it and said, I am not. Now, one of the high priests, the servants to the high priest, who was a relative of the man whose ear Peter cut off that the Lord healed, said to him, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter denied again that he knew him, and immediately a rooster crowed. See, the Lord asked him three times to reaffirm his love to be able to serve him properly. Three questions about love. Do you love me? Agape, the verb, a verb, ardently, supremely perfect divine love. Second time, agape. Do you love me? The last time. See, every time Peter answered, he used the word phileo, fondness for a family member or a friend. So the third time, and this is why I think Peter got grieved, the Lord stopped using agape love and used phileo love. But there... He had three commands for him after every response. Commands of duty, to tend, to herd, to feed, to lead his lambs and his sheep. See, you can't serve him unless you love him. You can't serve him unless you love his flock and his people. 
You can't take care of them. You can't guide them. You can't lead them. You definitely can't defend them, and you won't want to. And you can't govern or manage or even shepherd them. Folks, what we do for SRT, we call ourselves the sheepdogs for the great shepherd. When a lamb gets in danger and the shepherd says, go get him or go take care of that wolf, we go out of obedience and out of love. And I've told the Lord that, Lord, I love you. I love your people. I love your flock. And it grieves me to see what the enemy's doing. But ministry to the Lord and for the kingdom can only happen in love. And this scripture in John 21, the, the Roman Catholic Church tries to contend that it has something. It confirms Peter's papal primacy because the Lord gave him all of the responsibility. And it has nothing to do with that. Not even close. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Have you ever told him, Lord, I love you? And then wondered, does he believe me? Peter got sorrowful. He was he was sad. He was grieved. I think he was also uneasy. He wasn't sure anymore because he'd been humbled. And that confession and the humility at the end, I believe, is what the Lord was looking for. He was looking more for than words from the mind. He wanted an expression from the heart. And if you've never been broken, if you've never done something so great and let him down to where your heart broke because you were afraid that you broke his heart, then you don't understand how Peter felt. Peter's fall and repentance had greatly humbled him. He wasn't sure of himself, but he was sure he loved the Lord. Service is about humility. Service is about love, yours for him and his for you. And Peter learned that his grace is still amazing and that the Lord's love never fails. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says no matter how great a person is, he may fall. But God's grace and forgiveness will restore the repentant. This provision of grace would be important for the church would soon face great persecution and even church leaders would waver in their commitments. You know, having read all that, I realized today, how could Peter not stand up on the day of Pentecost beside the fact he now has the fire of the Spirit in him? But how could he not stand up and tell the crowds about the Lord, about his Lord, even at the risk of his own life. He showed that day. He showed the Lord that he did love him. What if right now you could hear him and he said, Do you love me? Lord, let your children hear your voice. You, you said, My sheep know my voice and none other will they follow. Let them hear your voice. Let them know your heart. Holy Spirit, help them. Anything that hinders them from this kind of love, both to receive and to give, not just to the Lord and from the Lord, but to others and from others, help them. Remind them. Do what you did for me today. Expand and expound upon the word. Fill their hearts, fill their minds, their souls, and their spirit. Maybe they need to make, maybe you need to make a rededication 
of your love to God and your service to him. And what you want to do is to tell the others about him. Again, you want to defeat the enemy. You want to do the epitome of spiritual warfare. It's not pulling down strongholds. It's not confronting fallen angels. It's not confronting the offspring of the fallen, the Nephilim, the demons. It's not that. Really what it is, getting people saved, healed, delivered, plundering the kingdom, letting them know they're loved, and getting them transformed. That's how we destroy the enemy. So, Father, let your will be done. Let your word go forth, and more than anything, let your love be burned into our hearts. And I pray these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, may Adonai, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. In his love, I bless you. This has been Firefall Talk Radio.